Great songs, brother. Thank you for choosing those songs tonight. Please turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Psalms. Let's start with Psalm 146. We're going to read a few verses out of several Psalms there in that area. Psalm 146. Psalm 146. Good to see you back in the house of the Lord tonight. Psalm 146. And verse number 1. Let's, let's pick up right there. The Bible says in Psalm 146 verse 1. It says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And then David said, While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Look in Psalm 147 verse 1. The Bible says, Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God. It is pleasant, and praise is comely. Look with me, please, in Psalm 149. The Bible says in verse 1, Praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song, and His praise in the congregation of saints. You'll notice also it says down there in verse number 5, you can sing it somewhere else. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Psalm 150. Praise you the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. And then it says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Let's talk about praise tonight, all right? Let's pray for just a moment. Lord, would you bless your servant? Help me, I pray, dear God, to, uh, to be able to articulate the things that you and I have studied together and meditated on. Lord, help me to be a blessing. And thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. First of all, I'd like to give you the definition tonight of praise, of true praise that God is interested in. It is a sincere acknowledgement of worth, of value, and of price. Sometimes we like to use the word, when we're dealing with something along that line, we like to use the word appraise. Have you ever had a piece of property appraised? Somebody went in there and assessed the value and the quality and placed a price on that. Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You remember later on, we're going to be singing a song in heaven called, that goes like, Worthy is the Lamb. All right? So when you talk about praise, however it is expressed, It means that you consider it to be of great value. 
that it's worth something to you. And then let's talk about the direction of praise. Now there are several possibilities of direction for praise. For example, it is possible that your praise, your value, your worth could be directed toward an idol. According to Acts 17, Paul went into a town. He said, man, this whole town, this whole city is given to idolatry. And he said, you have even uh, set up a one that you're not sure about that might exist whom you ignorantly worship. And so it is possible that you could be praising a God, but not the God. Okay? So the direction uh, has a different uh, possibilities. Do you remember in Acts chapter number 19? The Apostle Paul and some of his men got in a, in really in, in a situation that became a riot. And what happened was they were preaching and people were getting saved and they were stopped purchasing some of these little trinkets that belonged to Diana, a goddess. And see, people don't really care what kind of religion you have as long as it doesn't really affect your life and how you live and how you spend your money. And so when they saw, when Alexander the coppersmith saw they were going to start losing some money over this religion that came to town, he created an uproar. And that whole city began to really just chant and began to praise the goddess of called Diana. So it is possible that you might get all worked up uh, in some kind of a service and be praising the wrong God and you might feel good about it. You can feel good about what you're doing, but God doesn't feel good about what you're doing. That's very possible. Amen? You say, boy, I tell you what, I sure got something out of that service. Well, sometimes I get something out of a ball game. And sometimes, especially when they sing the, uh, the national anthem, I get stirred up. I say, boy, that sure was a blessing. And it was. And I'm just saying, I can hear some guys sing some, uh, some country songs that are ballads or tell a story. Or tell something about a hero of our nation, and it's a blessing to me, but I might feel good about it, but that feeling good doesn't have anything to do with God. You understand? The direction of our praise matters to God. And, and sometimes praise is directed to an individual who may or may not deserve it. But the Bible does say, let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth. Right? So there are times when people should be praised for certain things. Matter of fact, the scripture says a man that's got a, a, a very virtuous and godly uh, wife, uh, that the Bible says he praiseth her. He puts a great price on her, a great value and worth upon her. And sometimes you may do the same with a friend or with someone who is a blessing. Paul many times at the end of his letters would write people's names down that he really appreciated. We're still reading them 2,000 years later about people who were helpers in the ministry and he praised them. And that's okay. Don't you like to be encouraged once in a while? Not worshipped, but every once in a while somebody may reveal that they think that you are really worth something in their life. Amen. That's okay. It's all right to do that. Let your wife know that. Let your son know that. Let your daughter know that. That they are worth something to you of great value. And praise them once in a while. But tonight we're talking about that which really matters is the praise unto God. And listen, 
The only true God, of course, we know. You and I know. By the grace of God, you and I have been given some light and some truth. Even the devils believe in God, but they tremble. And there are people who believe in God who attempt to worship God and praise Him in their own ways. But it's not acceptable unto the Lord. God looks for those who worship Him and praise Him in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? That means with some knowledge, with some sincerity, and with some facts. He wants you to know some things about Him and appreciate Him. You know what the psalmist said about Him? He said, let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is excellent. Only His name is excellent. Now let's talk about the display of uh, praise. Sometimes it can be done privately, but the Bible is more interested in public praise toward God. Did you know that? Now listen, you can have a wonderful time praising God in private, and you should. As a matter of fact, it ought to be a daily routine for you of praising God. And especially in your me time with Him in the mornings, you ought to start off with some praises toward God. But this display, this description is given in the Bible. I want you to look over in Psalm 40 with me, please. Let's look at a few Psalms. Because when you start talking about praise, you can't stay out of the book of Psalms, can you? Look in Psalm 40. Look with me in verse number 10. Psalm 40 and verse number 10. The Bible says here, uh, here's what David had to say about this thing, about, well, I, you know, I, I just don't feel comfortable doing anything in public. All of my worship and all of my praise is in private. It's just between me and God. Well, first of all, you need to have that time with God. You really do. When he said about singing praises unto the Lord over there in that psalm upon your bed, well, I don't want everybody in there. Amen. I did just, you know, just me and my wife. I don't want anybody else in there. And I'm just saying that there is a place and a private time to do that. But if it's taking place in private, like you say it is, it's going to leak out also in some public places. And there's going to be some display of it. Now I'm going to challenge you tonight about are you, are you praising God in any of these displays that I'm going to mention to you? I want you to think about your own Life here tonight. Look in verse number 10. David said, I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. He said, I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. He's basically saying, hey, i got to say something about God and His righteousness. He said, I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. He said, yes, I've got my private time with God. He said, but when I get in public with the congregation, and the, and, the, and the Bible uses that term in the book of Psalms, in the sanctuary of the saints, the congregation of the saints, the assembly of the elders, the assembly of the saints, but he's referring to again a public assembly like this where believers get together and he's saying that I'm not concealing the loving kindness of God. I've got to say something about it in front of others. And here's what he's talking about here is this, this uh, public display. Look in Psalm 34. Look in Psalm 34 and verse number 1. Psalm 34 and verse number 1. Look what he says right here. The idea 
about praise in the book of Psalms primarily is not just private, but public with other people. And it coming from your whole heart. David said, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Psalm 34 verse 1. I will bless the Lord at good times in my life. Is that what your Bible says? No, it doesn't say that. If it does, you need to get another Bible. Amen. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. That's private and public. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Now, who's going to be glad to hear somebody publicly praising God? Who is? The humble. The humble. If it irritates you, if it bothers you when somebody sincerely displays praise toward God, there is something wrong in your own heart. All right? I'm not talking about somebody making a spectacle of themselves to draw attention to themselves. But we'll talk about that in just a moment. But the idea is public. He said, the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. All right? And he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. You join me. And let us exalt his name. What's the next word? Together. Together. The idea is about public praise of God. How is that sometimes displayed? Well, let me say number one, sometimes it is a public testimony. A public testimony. From time to time when the Lord nudges you because something has happened to you. God has answered a prayer. God has shown you something. God has done something for you. You need from time to time, to say, Brother Roger, I need to say something. Now, don't do it in the middle of my preaching, okay? But there is a place and time for that. But you need to every once in a while stand up and say, I have a word of testimony. I'd like to talk about the faithfulness of God. You know what Leah did after she had her fourth son? She said, now I will praise the Lord. That's what she said. And I I think she should have done it after the first son. But after the fourth son, she said, I will now praise the Lord. How about Hannah? But after she had uh, Samuel, she just wrote a whole song for a, a, a poem and a song of praise unto God. So it could be a word of testimony. You could even write it down like some of these young men have done. Like Austin has write something down that talks about God. That is, uh, talks about his worth, his value, his greatness. But it is a way of displaying praise. So I ask you this, when is the last time you have ever said anything publicly by way of testimony of how and what God has done to you and for you? I want you to think about that. All right? And I want you to think about, have you even said anything to your family around the table? It's important that you talk about the praises of God. 
Sometimes it is right for you to stand up and say some things about the attributes of God and declare them to us and remind us of them. Look over in uh, Psalm uh, 103, I think it is. I think it's Psalm 103. I, uh, I'm guessing right there on that. I think that's, that's the psalm that I'm looking for. I sure hope it is. Yes, it is. Psalm 103. Every once in a while, you need to be reminded about how good God has been to you. Because we kind of forget about the benefits that God has given to us. And every once in a while, you come to church and you're kind of down in the dumps and somebody stands up and sincerely, not looking for any kind of attention, just nudged by the Holy Spirit and you feel like praise is comely. And you stand up and say, I'd just like to remind the church tonight so that they won't forget their benefits. The Bible says in Psalm 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. And he says, well, forgiveness is one of those benefits. I don't want to ever forget that. I don't want to ever get over being forgiven. Verse 3 says, who also heals you. Has God healed you physically or maybe even emotionally inside? Has God done some things for you? See, there are things that are not outwardly seen. There are wounds in the heart and the spirit. The Bible says that sometimes we truly are wounded. And God has to heal that wound. The Bible says here that He redeemed your life from destruction. And He crowned you with loving kindness. He satisfied your mouth with good things. Did you eat well for lunch today? Was it good? You better say amen. You're sitting next to your wife. Amen. The Lord executes righteousness. You can count on God to fix things that are unbalanced and unfair in society and in your life. I'm just saying that you need to be reminded once in a while, you guys, somebody needs to stand up and say, I'd just like to brag on the Lord tonight. And number three, sometimes it is through songs. Agreed? Songs. Songs should give praise to God. Now, some songs are written for different purposes. Some are even prayers unto God. But the really good songs that God really likes are the ones that exalt Him and His attributes and who He is and what He has done for us in our life. Do you like that song, How Great Thou Art? I mean, even if I hear a country music person sing that song, I like the words to that song. Now, I'd rather hear somebody that's godly sing it, but you don't know anything about anybody sometimes when they're singing, but I'll tell you what, I just like the song. How Great Thou Art. What a wonderful song that is. Sometimes God is praised when you sing together. Sometimes it is when you sing to us as an individual. God has put a song upon your heart. And that song should be about the Lord. 
It should be something that exalts the Lord and praise to Him. I think sometimes that God also shows us in His Word that you may not be able to sing. It's one thing to have the desire. It's another thing to have the ability. But sometimes we can even make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I would rather hear somebody who it's very difficult for them to carry a tune to sing from their hearts unto God than to hear someone who is simply putting their talent on display so that I can praise them instead of God. But this thing about musical instruments also. Boy, it's mentioned over and over in the book of Psalms. You know, David made, made sure that he made plenty of them and he made sure that the people who used them practiced. And he made sure that they played them loud and skillfully. He wanted them to give praise unto God. As a matter of fact, sometimes he talked about how those stringed instruments could even prophesy. What he meant by that was is that when you hear a song sometimes being played as an instrumental and you know the words of that song, it will speak to your heart. It will minister to you. It will remind you of some things. These musical instruments. So this is one of the ways. Maybe you don't feel comfortable giving a word of testimony. That's okay. Maybe you don't feel comfortable um, playing an instrument. You certainly can sing a congregational hymn with us. Amen. And But I'll tell you something else that you can do. This is something that everybody can do. And that is the lifting up of your hands. Not just your voice, but your hands. When have you ever lifted up your hands toward God? You know why some of you don't? You say, well, I just don't feel like it. No, sometimes you feel like it. You just don't do it because of your pride. And you're afraid somebody's going to misinterpret what you're doing. Who cares what they're trying to interpret? If you lift up your hands toward God, it is as the evening sacrifice unto God. Did you know that? Listen listen to what the psalmist said. I'll prove it to you. Look over in Psalm 134. Look in Psalm 134. Listen to me. God is interested in your hands. Psalm 134. Look at this. Now, I'm trying to tell you how God thinks because of what He's written in His Word. This is some things that God likes. The lifting up of your hands. And is that just Old Testament stuff? No. 1 Timothy chapter number 2. He says that we, at the end of that chapter, He says we're to lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. That is what we're supposed to do. Look in uh, Psalm uh, 134. The Bible says this in verse 1, bless, Behold, bless you the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the what? The sanctuary and bless the Lord. Every once in a while when you're singing some of these songs that exalt the Lord, it's okay if you happen to let your hands slip up. And say, you know what? What you're saying is, Lord, I agree with what we just said. What we verbally just said. And if you hear something while you're preaching and you say, 
I, I agree with that. Sometimes we say amen, but it's all right to lift up your hands. I tell you what, every, some, my boys, sometimes my, my, my little boys, my grandson, sometimes I just get them around the head and I rub them across the head real hard until they start squealing. I like to do some of y'all with that right, right now. <laughs> when I'm talking about lifting up your hands. Because you've you, you got to get past that pride. You've got to get past it. If you're going to praise the Lord, you're going to honor Him, you're going you're gonna to exalt His name, you're going to have to learn to talk about Him, you're going to have to learn not to be ashamed of Him. I don't care what geographical location you came from. Now look here. Look at another place. All right? This thing about lifting up of the hands. It's important to the Lord. I think it might be in Psalm 141. I hope I'm right. I sure hope I'm right. Yes, there it is. Psalm 141. Look at this. Practice at home when nobody's watching. Practice at home while you're in the shower. Nobody's watching. Lift up your hands to God and thank Him for saving your rotten soul. My word, Psalm 141. Look at this. Look in verse number 2. Verse 1. I cry unto thee, make haste unto me, give ear unto my voice. When I cry unto thee, let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Understand the mind of God that you don't bring lambs, you don't bring goats, you don't bring anything up here to offer up as a sacrifice. But when you from your heart lift up your hands to God, God, He says, man, that is a good smell. Because He said, that that person right there just humbled themselves and just lifted up their hands toward me. They, They didn't care what anybody else thought or thinks. And they're lifting up my hands toward me, not to put on a show, but because they agree with what they're singing or they agree with what they hear preaching, and they are lifting up their hands to me. Sometimes you ought to just do that going down the highway, but do it one hand at a time while you're going down the highway. And somebody might think you're waving at them. Don't worry about it. You just gave them, you made them feel good. But learn how to lift up your hands to God. Not only lift up your hands, but lift up your voice. Every once in a while, you ought to just uh, say amen. And uh, every once in a while, it's all right to shout. Now, it'd scare most of us in here to death, probably if you did. But you can try that at home too. Your wife may have thought you failed somewhere, but I'm telling you, you ought to practice it at home before the Lord. I'm telling you, I want you young men not to be ashamed of your God. I just don't want you to be ashamed of him. Man, you ever went to a football game and watch them folks do the wave? Or or a baseball game? Man, they're not ashamed. Man, you you watch these people that go to these shows like and watch like, like American Idols. Man, they get up, they lift up their hands, and they do this kind of stuff because they are they're thinking, man, he's he is worthy of my applause. He's worthy of my standing up and, and my my clapping my hands and my listen. Those are just people. God is worthy. He really is. He's worthy. I'm just saying that every once in a while that it ought to slip out of you and leak out of you. Uh, this display and description of what the Bible gives us concerning praise. Now let me talk to you about the difficulty of praise. Sometimes it's not easy 
to praise God. Especially when you are going through struggles in your heart, in your life. Most of my difficulties come with people that I love and care about who may not be making good decisions and who are struggling with diseases or debt or the possibility of divorce. It's very difficult for me sometimes to lift up my hands and to praise God when my heart is heavy and my mind is a little bit anxious of the outcome of a situation. When it comes to serious money problems, it's very difficult for me sometimes to praise the Lord when sorrow and grief and disappointments and losses and heartaches come. I praise the Lord for a man by the name of Brother Cleghorn that we support in Indonesia. There's a man right there that did something that would be very difficult for many of us to do. Their son was 18 years old last year, about this time, when he went swimming up there at Carthage where Brother Ron pastors, and Brother Ron testified that he's one of the finest young men in his church, one of the most spiritual teenagers that they had in the assembly. He was out swimming with one of his brothers. They still don't know what happened today, but he drowned. They were planning on him working with them and helping them over in Indonesia. Brother Cleghorn is over in Indonesia and cannot even make it back for the funeral. And so during the funeral, they had a little bit of what you know, the Zoom meetings of where they were able to get him their uh, uh, video to be able to be there at the funeral uh, to say something. His testimony to the whole congregation, packed out crowd, full of young people there who loved him and knew him. The father testified and said that he wanted to thank God and he wanted to praise God for allowing him the privilege of having him for 18 years. Instead of focusing on what he didn't have anymore, he focused on what God had given him for 18 years. And like Job, when Job lost those things, Job said, the Lord giveth. God has the right to give, and He loves to give. God has the right to take away, and sometimes He does, without explanation. Sometimes it's difficult in those situations. And a matter of fact, I got a newsletter from Brother Cleghorn this month, and he said the boy would have been 19 this month. He hadn't forgotten, but he hasn't forsaken his God. In his sorrow... And in his grief, look at Psalm 137. I think this is a, the where we are most of the time when something doesn't go right. We lose our focus and we forget about his greatness in our disappointments. Look in Psalm 137, he says in verse 1, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. Memories can get you down, can't they? Memories can get you down. Look in verse 2. What did they do? They hang, the Bible says, We hanged our hearts upon the willows in the midst. 
And in their disappointment and in their discouragement, they hung up their musical instruments. Let me encourage you that whatever difficulty you're going through, one thing that you don't want to do is lose your song and lose your shout and your display of some sort of praise unto God because that's going to be your deliverance to some degree. Now look what he says in verse 3. For there they that carried on awake, excuse me, for there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. They made them almost in mockery, I'm thinking. Yeah, you're going to sing. We're going to make you sing. Mocking them. Let me show you something real, real, real interesting here. We're going to come back to Psalms here, but I want you to look with me, please, in Psalm, excuse me, in Jonah. I'm give you just a second to find that book. I know it's not. Some of you kids have been real blessed to be able to learn all your books of the Bible, and you you got so many drills up there on Wednesday night. You know where everything is, and you're going to find it before I do. My goal is not to know where it's at. My goal is to know what it means. <laughs> look in Jonah. Look in chapter number 4. What about when you're angry at God? Did you know that sometimes when you're disappointed, I'm talking about really disappointed in the way things are going. Maybe that you feel like the Lord has disappointed you. Did you know it's okay to go ahead and say what you know to be true about God? Look what he says here. Look in chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. He didn't like what God was doing. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country. Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew. Now he is testifying about what he knows about God. He says, I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Now, he is actually, in his prayer, praising God by simply testifying of the, of the, of the attributes and the greatness of God. Let's go back to Psalm real quickly. Look with me in uh, Psalm uh, uh, 145, okay? Psalm 145. Now, I want to... Are y'all still with me? Okay. I, I want you to understand sometimes, though, don't, don't, don't uh, aggravate and, and, and provoke people who are wounded and hurting. Give them some time. Weep with those that weep. And uh, sometimes a heavy heart. Someone said, uh, I, I know of a young man that lost his mother in Mississippi... And uh, somebody asked him how he was doing because usually he was have a cheerful disposition and positive disposition. Fine young man. Lost his mother when he was just a young teenager. And uh, they asked him how he was doing. And he said that it was hard uh, for a bird to sing with a broken wing. That's what he said. And so he, what he meant by that was he wasn't ready yet. And I'm saying sometimes you've got to give people some space. 
But I will say this too. You cannot stay. The valley is a place we go to. And God allows you time in that valley, but God does not want you to live in that valley. He doesn't. He wants you to come up out of it. Not always easy to get out of it. But I want to show you something here in Psalm 145. Turn with me there if you would please, Psalm 145. I want to talk to you for just a moment about the duty of praise. I've given you the definition, the direction, the display, and the difficulty. I want to talk to you about the duty of praise. Praise is an inward decision of the heart and the mind that includes the will of man. It is based upon, it must be based upon facts. Faith operates by facts, not by feelings. And if you can ever get this down, it will help you in your duty of praising God. Because the facts do not change. Your faith in those facts must not waver. Your feelings must not control how you feel or think about those facts. I'm sorry, those, what you think about them. Your faith must be engaged in those facts. Eventually, those feelings are going to follow along. But if you get faith in front of those facts, you're going to fall off to the side. Now, watch what I'm looking at here. Look at Psalm 145. It is a decision an inward decision that sometimes will take all of your energy and might to do. You will not be a hypocrite because you do not feel something when you're doing this. You want to feel it. And you are not trying to fake it. You are, by faith, overriding your feelings and saying, Lord, I confess, I believe, and I will say these things to you. Now look, what he says in verse 1, I will, that's a choice, I will. Extol thee, my God, O King, I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee. And I will praise thy name forever and ever. Does ever a shady, dark cloud ever come over you on a day? Do you ever sometimes just get discouraged and sometimes even depressed? That's why the Lord said here, and listen, I think it was, um, might have been uh, Spurgeon who really struggled with depression. Wrote a book on the practice of praise. And he said... Uh, That discouragement does not listen to reasoning. But can I tell you something about praise? We had a problem one time with ants at the house, getting in the house recently. And so we killed the ants. And when you kill ants, guess what? They happen to come back. 
And there'd be a little trail that would be all the way... Uh, I mean, we had no idea how they found their way to certain places in the house. I really had no idea. We did everything we could that we knew to kill them. Outside, I sprayed the areas around, all around the house, the poison, and that stuff stinks. And I'm just saying that we did everything we possibly could. And, and when I, I bought money, paid for stuff to put stuff on the mounds and got rid of the mounds, but then we'd come back and there'd still be them little obedience. They'd be on the cabinet, they'd be on the bar, and the bar's in the middle of the house. And so we read and studied up about some things and we found something that would, uh, wouldn't kill them, but it repelled them. The smell, the scent, caused them to go a different direction, away from what was going on in the house. Do you know that praise is what repels some things? In your life. It is a. It is something that. Is pleasing to the nostril of God. And it is very displeasing to the devil. And very displeasing to demons. And very displeasing to the flesh. Psalm 145 says. Every day will I bless thee. I will praise thy name forever and ever. And then he begins to say these things because I'm just telling you about praise. His will needs to become my will and and your will. His will is that I praise Him. Do you understand this? His will, Brother Doug, is that I praise Him. It is my duty. It is my duty to praise the Lord. And when you think about praise, again, you're thinking about sitting in the car and somebody's got both their hands up. And that's just one of the things that people can do in a sanctuary that honors the Lord. We're talking about maybe that you're driving down the road in the truck with that little boy and you start talking about the attributes of God to him. It is your duty. Psalm 78 says that one generation is to tell the other generation about the praises of God. That the fathers were supposed to tell their sons and their daughters and their children and their grandchildren about the praises. It is your duty. It is not just your pastor's duty. It is your duty to talk about the Lord. They need to hear something about God's name that's not in vain. And that's not complaining. Oh, good Lord. That is that. Listen, God is good. He is a good Lord, but not the way you said it. The duty of praise, Psalm 145, because His will must become ours and He is worthy of this praise. You understand that? He is worthy. You'll notice what He says here in verse number 3. It said, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Verse 6 says, And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. What's so great about God? Well, according to verse number 7, His goodness is great. So you you should sing about His goodness and His righteousness. Not about a cabin over in heaven, but about the goodness and mercy of God. And I listen to some some of these groups that go around and sing in some of these camp meetings and Bible conferences, and it's just... 
It's just glorified country music with a religious flavor to it. It doesn't cause me to worship God. Yeah, I'm sorry if you feel that way, if I hurt your feelings, but I'm just saying I like songs that glorify the Lord. Verse 8 says, the Lord is gracious. Did you know that? Full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. You're still alive, aren't you? And He knows every secret thing about you, and He loves you more than anybody else. Look at verse 9. The Lord is good to all. He is. Look at verse 17. The Lord is righteous. Can you say those things? Can you say that to your son and daughter when you're driving down the road? Can you say those things even when you don't feel good? Can you say those things about the Lord? Verse 18 says, The Lord is nigh to all them that call upon Him. Look at verse 21. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord. It is our duty. Isaiah said that about repelling some things, the powers of darkness it be. He said those who praise the Lord, he said, they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. How about that? You're waiting to feel good before you have joy and gladness. And Isaiah said, if if you would praise the Lord, you would obtain some joy and obtain some gladness. And he said, sorrow and sighing would flee away. That's interesting, isn't it? I just hope and pray that you understand how good God has been to you. His provisions. You know, when David was giving, David wanted to build the temple. God gave him the plans for it, the blueprints for it. But God said, uh, I appreciate your desire. I appreciate what you want to do for me. He said, but I'm just saying... You're not qualified to do this. The answer is no. David didn't pout about it. David said, okay, I understand. My limitations, I understand them, I accept them, I'll do what I can. He started gathering material. He started giving of his own money. Then people started giving to build this thing. He did what he could to prepare for somebody else to do the building. That'll check your motive, won't it? And then he made this statement when he was giving. They were giving willfully and cheerfully. He said, for all things come of thee, and of thine own hand have we given thee. Lord, I'm only giving back what you have given to me. Has God provided for you? What about His providence? How about it has brought us here together? Without God, we wouldn't know each other. It is the providence of God that has allowed us to meet and to become friends and to become church members and church families together. Only the providence of God. Very few of us in here were born here and raised here. We didn't have the privilege of having Texas on our birth certificate, but we got here as soon as we could. By the providence of God... But all walks of life in here, geographically, educationally, philosophically, economically, providence of God brought us together. His protection. A good man's steps are ordered by the Lord. In His Word, He orders it, but also 
His observations over us. As He watches the bird fall to the ground, He puts His angels around us. Do you realize everything you touch has the potential of some kind of disease on it? Have you observed how people drive around here? People are crazy. I told our family the other day, and I told them I didn't want to tempt the Lord or test the devil or nothing. When I'm making this statement, I said, you know, we've lived here 27 years, and we have, God has protected us. That was my statement to them, that none of us have been in a major accident thus far. It could happen today or tomorrow. I understand that. But I take that as the protection of God and the providence of God. I do, and I appreciate Him for it. Depraved men at every corner that can break into your house, your car. I don't live in fear of that. I know except the Lord keep the house. They labor in vain that keep it. His praises, His attributes. Can I show you? I want to show my grandsons something tonight. When I was studying this, and the Lord said, you need to show your grandsons this publicly. I want you to turn with me to Exodus 33 for just a moment. I want them to remember their grandfather believed in a living God. That He's not just a religious philosophy to me. He's a person. He's real. He's not imaginary, though He is invisible. I'd like for you to look at this with me, then we'll close. And Look in Exodus 33. Look in verse number 11. These are some of those wow verses that you'll find in the Bible. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I might know thee that I may find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, talking about the Lord said this, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, and this is Moses speaking, show me thy glory. Lord, would you let me have a glimpse of you? And here's what the Lord said. He said, I will make all my what? Goodness. Of all the things, Moses wanted to see the glory of God. And God said, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to show you part of me. I'm going to show you my goodness. 
pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. He said, Thou, however, thou canst not see my face, for thou shalt no man see my face and live. That's an amazing statement to me, because I'm going to show you something that seems to conflict with that. But it doesn't. It does not. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, there shalt thou stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by, and I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. God is real, son. He's real. Now I want you to so something else. Look over with me, please, if you would. It goes a little bit better than this. Look in chapter 34 and look in verse 5. Now the Lord's going to show him some things. It says in verse 5, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God. Merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth. That is the God that we praise and worship. And verse 7 makes it very clear that there is a severe side to Him that sin does bring. When you violate the laws of God, it does bring eventually destruction. But in verse 8, when Moses heard this, he said, And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. Now, would you turn quickly with me to Exodus 24? Now, I'm almost done. I just want to show you a couple of more verses. Exodus 24. And look with me, please, in verse 9. It says, Then went up Moses and Aaron, and Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. Look at this. And they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. I've got beside that verse, amazing, written in my Bible. And verse 11 says, Upon the nobles of the children of Israel he laid not his hands, also they saw God and did eat and drink. They saw God personally. They heard His voice directly. But they were not allowed to see His face visually. Not His face. But boy, they got as close as anybody else has in the Old Testament to see Him. Amen? I want you to show you one more verse. Look up with me over in Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. Talking about duty, your duty. Praise will cause bitterness in your heart to leave. Depression on your spirit, your heart to subside. I'm not saying it won't come back. I'm saying it will subside. Look at Hebrews 13 with me, please. Look at what the Lord says about what we should be doing. 
But Jason, I want you to come on up here and I want you to lead us in How Great Thou Art. Cindy, if you and Faith would come to our instruments, let's sing together before we go tonight. I want to honor the Lord with that. Won't you look in, in, in Hebrews 13, please, with me? Verse 12 says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore to him without the camp, bearing his reproach, meaning being willing to identify with Christ. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him therefore, let us offer, now look at this, the sacrifice of praise to God. What's the next word? Continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. It is our duty, our duty to praise the Lord. I wish that you would take this message to heart and as the Holy Ghost from time to time nudges your heart, that you would give us a word of testimony or remind us of the attributes of God. Read us a psalm. Read us a verse of Scripture. Sing a song to us about the Lord. Get your instrument out and play it. Knock the dust off of it and play it for us. And occasionally, lift up your hand to heaven. And every once in a while, it's all right for you to say, Amen. Amen. (laughs) Let's stand together, please.